Thank you for tuning in to our North Point Community Church podcast. Wherever you are in your faith journey, we pray that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at ncc.team. All right, well, let's get ready to uh, dive in. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, turn to Romans chapter 12. Uh, we'll kind of be reading our, our main scripture there, and, uh, and then we're going to get into it. Do a little recap. Just, just for my sake, how many, how many of you um, have have been at least one of the two. We've had two weeks of changing to change. We got snowed out one week. Uh, but how many of you have made at least one of those two? Raise your hand if you've made at least one of those two. Okay. All right, so most everybody here in the room has made at least one of those. Uh, so I'm going to do just, uh, just a quick review, and I'm going to add a few new things that I kind of left out from, uh, from the last time that we were together, kind of in the review, so it'll be some new stuff even within the review, but, but I want to just take a few moments and, and kind of catch everybody up, and uh, uh, you know, we've, we came through January, we've been talking about growing to grow, and, uh, the, and now on Wednesdays we've been talking about changing to change, and when we talk about changing to change, our, our mindset is this, that, that we're, not, we're not changing just to be changed, we're changing to bring change. Uh, it's a big difference when I'm just changing to be changed just so I can be a better person or just so I can be happier or just so things can go better for me. No, no, no. We're not changing just for that. There's a purpose in our change. We are changing to bring change. We want to bring change to our neighborhood. We want to bring change to our family. We want to bring change to our friends, our family members. We want to bring change to the office place. We want to bring change. And the, and the interesting thing that I've discovered through life is that the more change that I bring, the more I'm focused on my purpose of bringing change into the earth. As, as Jesus taught us to pray, God, let, let your kingdom come, right? Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the more I have been uh, walking in that purpose of bringing the kingdom to earth, bringing that change, uh, then what I found is as I'm bringing change, and I'm walking that out, I found out that I'm being changed. I'm being changed as I'm bringing change. So instead of just waiting and thinking the whole purpose is to be changed, no, I'm bringing change, and as I'm bringing change, I'm being changed by God in the process. That's what Jesus said. Come and follow me, and I will make you, right? Come and follow me, and I will make you. I will make you fishers and men. Come and follow me, and I will make you disciples. Come and follow me, and I will make you. Come and follow me. Jesus knew that if we began the journey with him, and as we as we went to bring change to others, we would be changed in the process the same way that it happened for, uh, for the, the disciples. And so it's not just about me uh, living better. It's about his kingdom getting bigger. Okay, And whenever we understand that, and it's not just about my life, and it's not just about me. No, it's not about my life getting better. It's about his kingdom getting bigger. So why am I growing? I'm growing so that I might grow the kingdom of God. Why am I changing? I'm changing to bring change into my world so, so that the, the world might be impacted with the gospel. So whenever we have that, now all of a sudden we, we have a why. We have a purpose. And uh, it's not just about me. Now it's about the mission that God has for me. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. And so that, that's why all the things that we're going to talk about are going to be important because we're, we're in the process of, of bringing change and being changed. So Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Okay, you have to, first of all, you have to let God, right? Okay, God's not going to transform you without you letting him do it. You have to let God transform you. That means that you have to give God permission. As we read throughout the Psalms, what is, what is David saying? David is crying out to God saying, God, search my heart. God, shine the light of heaven on anything in me that offends you. Shine your light on anything that's not right in me. You have to let God in. You have to invite God in. You have to give God permission. So as Paul writes this, he says that you don't need to copy their behaviors. Don't copy their the pattern of the world. Don't copy the customs of the world. Don't copy the habits of the world. Instead, you have to let God transform you into a new person. How do you let God transform you into a new person? By changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. So many people want to change their lives, but they don't understand the way to change my life is to change my thinking. 
The way to get a transformed life is to get a, a transformed thought process. And, and people say, I'm here all the time, well, this is just the way that I am. This is, no, it's the way that you are because that's the way that you think. How you thought is how you became whoever it is. So if you want to change your life, you have to change your thinking. And this creates a big disconnect for so many people and so much frustration is because I want God to change my life. I want to, to please God. I want to live for God. That I have this desire, but I don't let God change my thought process. I don't, I don't allow him to develop new patterns of thinking. And if I don't begin to think differently, it's going to be impossible to change my life because it's my thinking that allows me to change my actions and change my behaviors. And so we get stuck in this, in this dilemma of I want this in my life, but if, if I want God but I'm still thinking like the world, I'm never going to get what God has. I have to begin to change my thought process, and as I change my thought process and get my thought process in line with God, now all of a sudden it creates the avenue for me to walk into everything that God has for me in my life. So Paul's writing here, and he says, hey, this is the way you transform your life. You have to let God do it, and you have to change the way that you think. Now, it reads really easy, <laughs> but how many of you know it's not as easy to live out? I mean, it's just one verse of Scripture, but, but it might take a lifetime to figure out. We've been talking about the seven principles of change. And uh, I'm, let me run through these seven principles, and uh, we'll revert, review these first two. We'll continue on in the second one, and then we'll see what, what we get to for the rest of the night. But the seven principles of change, the first is awareness. Okay, nothing will change if you're not aware that something needs to change. Okay, there's got to be awareness. You have to be aware of what's going on around you, and you have to be aware of what's happening in you. Now, these principles of change, we're talking about changing our thinking, but this, this goes for anything. If you want to change your marriage, these apply. If you want to uh, change your, uh, your work environment, these things apply. These, these are, are principles of change that work for anything. So you have to be aware, aware of what's happening around me, aware of what's happening in me. Um, the second principle of change is attention. Attention. It, uh, you have to give your attention, and we've been talking about you have to pay attention because there's, there's a price tag on change, and so attention must be paid. Uh, the third uh, principle of change is attitude. Uh, the fourth principle is avoidance. If, there's, there's, if it's danger, you don't see how close you can get to danger. You stay away from danger. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, you got to flee your youthful lust. Don't, don't even get close to it. You, you, you uh, evacuate the building, okay? You don't see how long you can make it there in the smoky building. No, you avoid it. You get out of that place. Uh, the fifth principle of change is addition because it's not just enough to take something out of your life. you got to put something good in your life. It's not just enough to, uh, to stop a bad habit. Okay, I've got to now enter a good habit into my life. I can't leave uh, a void there. Uh, six is accountability. Um, uh, pride says that we can do it alone. Uh, humility says you need help. Uh, and, uh, and if ever you're thinking that I don't need any advice in my marriage or I don't need anybody to tell me how to improve or I don't need anybody to show me anything, well, you can just rest assured that you are living in pride. And when you're living in pride, you're living without accountability. And when you're living without accountability, it's going to be almost impossible to change. Uh, so whenever you have humility, uh, you, you seek that help. You know you need that help. And then you have accountability to help you. In, uh, in the process. Uh, step number seven is applause. Applause. Uh, you need to be able to let others cheer for you, congratulate you, and if there's nobody there to cheer for you, then you can cheer for yourself. But you need applause. Um, as we talked about awareness and being aware of those things that are around us, let's just go uh, back real, real quick in this review um, of, of the two paths, right? Jesus said this. You said there's the narrow road and uh, the wide road, right? There's, the, uh, there's the, the, the narrow gate, there's the broad gate. Um, and so Jesus is creating this picture that there are two paths, way, two paths for us to walk. And in these pathways, uh, the great news is that you get to choose. You get to choose which pathway uh, you walk. You, you choose, as Jeremiah said, are you going to take the, the old godly way or are you going to take the way that, that your flesh wants to take, the way that you want to take? Uh, which path are you going to choose? But the great news is, is we get to choose. But I have to be aware that every day when I wake up, there are two paths for me to walk. Every day. Every day I wake up, there are two paths, and I have to choose every day which path I'm going to take. Now, if I'm not aware of that, I'm not going to make good choices. 
If I'm not aware of that, I'm just going to get into my day. And at the end of the day, I'm going to say, man, what happened with that day? Because I didn't realize when I woke up, there are two paths. One is the godly way and one is the way of my flesh. And I get to choose which way I'm going to walk. We also have to be aware of the role that our subconscious plays in our daily decision making. And we've been talking a lot about this over the last two weeks, uh, that our subconscious makes 95% of our decisions on a daily basis. Our subconscious is the database uh, that uh, stores our experiences. Um, it is the, the hard drive of our computer, if you would. It's what runs all the, the programs of our life. But the problem with our subconscious, remember, is that it only operates on what it's learned in the past. The subconscious does not look into the future. It's your conscious brain, which only runs 5% of your day. It's your conscious brain that looks into the future, and it's your conscious brain that, that determines who yourself is right now. So your conscious brain is telling you, hey, this is where we're going. We're going to be a man of God. We're going to be a woman of God. We're going to do this. We're going to walk this way. That's where my conscious is telling me. But my subconscious is operating off, uh, off of the past experiences in my life. Now, we've been saying that um, over that uh, over the last few weeks, that that subconscious is filled up, uh, the, the the database, the storage, if you would, is filled up by the time we get to be six years old. Okay, so by the time we're six, our our subconscious, the the files in our subconscious, it's already full, one hundred percent maxed out. And so what happens is, is our, the neurons in our brain begin to form together because they're all floating there whenever we're born. And then as we see things lived out in front of us, we see how mom lives, we see how dad lives, we hear what they say to us, we see grandma, we see grandpa, we have a, a K-4 teacher, a kindergarten teacher, they're all speaking to us, we're watching their actions, we're, we're taking in all of their reactions, all of these things, and, and the neurons in our brain are beginning to connect. And they are connecting, and when they connect, they begin to stick together. And when they stick together, they, they start a pathway, a thought process, a start pathway, a, a thought pathway, if you would. So that's the way that our thoughts begin to travel. Oh, this is the way you respond to this situation. Oh, this is the way that a man is supposed to treat a woman. Oh, this is what mommy says whenever she gets scared. Oh, this is what you uh, this is how you're supposed to worry and live in absolute anxiety and fear. Okay, I now and, and so these things begin to be formed. So as we get aware of this, as we've been talking, once I'm aware that my brain, uh, the neurons or the cells of my brain are stuck together, but we've been talking about how we renew our thinking, literally scientific. Now, in the last 12 years, they have discovered that literally what happens is you now have to pull apart the neurons in your brain, the cells that have been stuck together, and you actually pull those apart and you begin to plug them into other ways, what? Creating new pathways of thought in your life. And it's so interesting whenever you really begin to think about what the Word of God says about these things, that we are born again, right? That you are literally born again. When you are born of the Spirit, that there is a rebirth that happens to you. That, that we can, as Paul wrote, we just read, renew our thinking. That we can change the way that we think. Literally, we are rewiring our brain. And that is one of the most amazing things uh, that I've ever heard. Uh, Pastor Clarissa and I were just last, last week, we were in uh, a meeting and uh, uh, a, a doctor and a psychologist uh, was speaking. He was speaking on a lot of the same stuff, and he was talking about the emotional health of your soul. And he was speaking to exactly what we've been talking about, the, literally the rewiring of your brain, everything that we've been sharing. And uh, it was uh, you know, incredibly, incredibly interesting. So, so we see the, the dilemma as we begin to look at this. We have a conscious brain that says, okay, we're going to start making new decisions. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to be different. We're going to, we're, we're going to begin to walk in this direction. But now I have a subconscious that, that's 95% of my daily decision-making, okay? And so, and it's looking only in the past, and it says, man, you know, you, you, you didn't read your Bible for the whole month of January in, in 2016. Why are we going to start in 2000, or, you know, 2016, 2017? Why are you going to start in 2018? You know, why, why are we going to care? Your conscience might say, no, this year is going to be different. This year is going to be different. I'm going to read my Bible. But your subconscious is going, I don't understand this because we've never read the Bible in January before. This is, this is not making sense. But your conscience might say, no, we're going to read it every day. This is going to be a new discipline. And so your conscious and your subconscious is fighting. But you're, you're making your brain work in a new way. And now you understand your brain don't want to work. The subconscious loved how we used to be. It loved Netflix. 
Okay? He loved just vegging out. He loved doing what he wanted to do, thinking all the crazy thoughts that it's always thought. It's in a habit. It's in a loop. It's in a cycle. It's in a pattern of thinking what he wants to think. And now all of a sudden you're coming and saying, no, we're not going to think that way. But as we've shared over the last few weeks, what happens is our little conscious brain, as hard as it wants to fight, it will wear down and eventually it will give in to the subconscious. So what do we have to do? As we've been saying, we have to reprogram our subconscious. Okay, that's what science is now telling us. We have to reprogram our subconscious, and it is possible. And that's what we're going to get to in just a, a minute as we begin to reprogram that, that subconscious. So when you look at it, renewing our mind is really rewiring our brain. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that renewing your mind, when he says renew your mind, that literally when you begin to renew your thinking, renew your mind, you are literally rewiring your brain. I don't know about you. That blows my mind. Okay, moving on to number two, attention. You have to pay attention. You have to pay attention. The root word for attention and attend, it's, it's the same root word. And so when you think about paying attention, uh, it's like attending school every day. Okay, if you want to make a good grade in the class, you have to show up in class to get that good grade. Well, if you want to get a good grade in life, you have to show up in life every day. You can say amen to that. You can't just coast into the day. No, you got to show up and you got to be willing to pay attention that day. Why? Because when I pay attention and I attend to what is important, when I attend to those important matters, I'm going to get the results that I want to get, but there's a price that comes with it. So we have to pay attention to what? We have to pay attention to what we think about. You know, I, I, I say it all the time, but you got to think about what you think about. You got to think about what you think about. And when Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and he said, you got to think about what is true and you got to think about what is right and you got to think about what is pure and you got to think about what is lovely. You got to think about what is excellent and worthy of praise. You got to fix your mind on those things. Well, where are those things found? In the word of God. Those things are found in the Bible. So if I'm going to fix my mind on these things, then I've got to fix my attention in the Word because the only way I can think about things is if I put them into my mind and these things are in the Word, so I've got to give my attention to the Word so that I can attend to the right things in my mind. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says this, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. As he thinks within himself, so he is. He is. So it is, it is whatever you think on the inside, whatever you think about yourself, that is what you are. Your thoughts determine who you are. It, I love Pastor Keith Craft, and, and he has a, a, what he calls a, a modus operandi, a, a, a mode of operation in his life, and it's called think, be, do. Think, be, do. Because whatever you think is what you are, and whatever you are is what you do. And that's the process of anything. You think, you be, you do. And you can't get those things out of order. But we want to do the right things, right? We want to do the right things. We, we want to please God with our actions. But you can't please God with your do if you're not thinking the right things. You have to think first, and then I become. I have to think and then I become. As I think and become, now I get to the place where I can begin to do. But we're interested in jumping to the do and we wonder why we can't ever do it long enough. Why we can't live out of this because we don't have the think and the be. And you're trying to just jump to the end of the process. That is the very end. That's the icing on the cake. That's the, that's the end of the, uh, of the product line right there. you got to get your thinking and your being right so that your doing can then uh, have longevity. So as you think within himself, so is he. The pathway of our thoughts creates the platform of our beliefs. I want to say that again because you... You probably want to write that down. The pathway of our thoughts creates the platform for our beliefs. It creates the stage that your life gets lived out on. The pathway of your thinking, the pattern of your thinking, it's what creates the platform of our beliefs. So we will act on or we will act out our pattern of thinking. We will act on our pattern of thinking. We will act out in our lives our pattern of thinking. 
And this is why it's so important just to understand what we talked about over the last few weeks about this, this database being filled up by the time that we're six years old. Because it's the platform that we're acting on. Say this is the stage. Okay, my pathway of thoughts has created the platform of my life. I am acting on the belief on the platform that my thoughts have created. So as I'm acting out in life, as I'm just being me in life, it's from the thought process that I had from the time I was six years old. This is if I haven't done anything to change it. I've been living all of these years. All that I didn't even realize it. I didn't know. And I can tell you, I've had so many people come to me and say there were things in my life that I had no idea why they were there and as you begin to teach this I'm telling you I've had four five six people come and tell me this I had no idea but as you were talking I remembered some things that happened when I was four five six years old and I realized after you said that it was in the database of my life and it was just on a, a repeat cycle I didn't even know how it got there but as you were teaching it came back to my mind so why because here's the thing we've been on this platform for years Okay, if I'm 39 years old and I've never done anything to reprogram my thinking, okay, so I've been living, let's say at six years old, I'm filled up. So I've been living for 33 years on the platform of those thoughts. I've been acting out what, what, what those thoughts were. And so it created these pathways for me. So, so once again, if my, if, my, if my parents told me that, that I was dumb, if my parents told me that I would never amount to anything, if I would never accomplish anything, that I would be a drunk just like my dad was a drunk. My dad wasn't a drunk, by the way. My dad's never drank. And I would be just that way. If, that I would turn into whatever that was that got put into my pathway. Now that begins to be the stage that I live my life on. I'm living out what was put in my, in my pathway. So when I was told I was stupid, I, I could have been uh, magna cum laude. I could have been a straight-A student. But because it got in my pathway and on my first quiz, I wasn't prepared for it. And I didn't make a good grade. And when I didn't get a good grade, I thought, oh, mom was right. Mom was right. Oh, well, I'm not smart. And so guess what? I'm not smart. I'm not going to try again. I'm not going to give it my best, so what am I going to do on my next test? Another C, another D, because I'm not trying now, because they told me that I wasn't smart, they told me I wasn't, I wasn't ever going to amount to anything, and they told me that I would never make a good grade, and they, that's, what, that's what they told me. So when it didn't happen the first time, instead of trying hard and realize, oh, that was just a fluke, that was a mess up, I wasn't prepared, whatever it might be, no, 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 now I am now living out on the stage the pattern of thinking that was put in me by the time I was six years old. Now, the opposite would also be true. Let's go to the positive. And I, I, I showed my mom's here this week, but I, I, was, I talked about my mom last week. And I talked about how my mom is super positive. My mom's super encouraging. My mom's super, son, you can do anything. Son, you're the smartest person in the class. Son, you're going to be the best. Son, you're going to accomplish. Son, you're going to achieve. Son, you can do anything. That's all my mom ever spoke over me. You can do it. Let me help you. I'm going to be there for you. Come on. She was, a, she was my cheerleader. She was my coach. She was everything. I mean, and, and so what happened for me is if I ever got in a situation and something didn't turn out, I always thought, well, that's, that was a fluke. The teacher wrote a bad test. Because my mom told me I was smart. This is the stage that I was living on. Because my mom created a pathway in my brain. So whenever I had a baseball game and I went 0 for 3, I didn't think I was a loser. I didn't think, oh, well, I probably ought to quit. Or maybe I just need to go play basketball. I need to do something else with my life. No, no, no. When I went 0 for 3, I thought, well, that's okay because if I go 0 for 3 and I play the odds and, I, and, and I'm going to be batting 500, that means the next game I'm going to go 3 for 3. Why? Because that's what my mom had programmed in my mind. So whenever I came to that, I had a, di I had a different response. But I saw other teammates. Now, here's the thing, because this was the pathway of my life. This was the stage that I was living on. But I had other teammates go over three, and they talk about, I suck, I quit, I ought to go do something else. And I'm like, no, man, what, what are you talking about? It doesn't make sense to me. Why, why are you talking about? Why are you talking about you suck and you ought to quit and you ought to do something? Else? Well, I don't understand. No, you just, you just, 
the pitcher, you just missed the ball. Like, it's okay. You're going to have another chance. Come back again tomorrow. You know, like maybe there's a piece of dust in your eye. I mean, I don't know. We can find out any, just, just come back. But that wasn't because what, what their parents had told them, that wasn't my experience. Their parents weren't even in the stands. Their parents didn't even care, weren't even there to watch them play. They, they grew up neglected. They had grown up with, and he's di- with a different mental pathway. So they're living on a different stage. I'm living on a stage that, 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 that my mom prepared me for failure. I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to, I need to stop. But, but, but this, this is the importance of the pathways that get created because we're, they're literally creating the stage of which we're living life out on. So we can see the importance when you think back and think, well, man, that wasn't, I didn't grow up with Jeannie D's and my mom. Uh, that, 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 that's not what my parents were speaking over me. That, that wasn't my experience. Okay, great, 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 because that's awareness. That's step one to change, right? My awareness was my first six years were not the best six years. My first six years, I heard, I heard a lot of negativity. I heard a lot of complaining. I heard a lot of excuse making. In my first six years, I was called a lot of names. In my first six years, hope was taken from me. In my first six years, I was convinced of a whole lot of lies. In my first six years, that was, okay, that's where it starts. I got to be aware of that. But now once I'm aware of that, okay, God's saying, you've been living on a stage, but I can change your stage. You've been living on a stage that your, 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 that your, your thinking process put you on. Hey, I want to renew your thinking because I created you to live on a different stage. I didn't create you to live on that stage of less than. I didn't create you to live on that stage of lack. I didn't create you to live on that stage of not good enough. I didn't create you to live on that. No, I created you to live on a different stage. Let me reprogram your mind. Let me renew your thinking. Let me take your brain cells and pull them apart and put them back together again because I'm God and I created you and I can do that for you. Let me do that. And as I do that, now all of a sudden you'll begin to act out your life on a different stage. And when you begin to be somebody else on a different stage, because you're thinking, you're thinking and your being now is the power that pushes you into your doing. And it all started with changing your thought process. It's powerful. That's why it's so important that our pathways are right because our pathways are going are gonna to form our beliefs about ourselves. They're going to form our beliefs about the world that we live in. And, and, and we have to begin to allow these beliefs to get into our, our subconscious. Hey, I want to read you just a couple excerpts of, of, this, of this book. And, and I was thinking about trying to just tell it to you. And I thought, man, this is just too good. And I don't want to screw it up. And, and, and I, I want to read it just the way that he says it because it's so powerful, and, and I believe it's really going to help you. Now, by the way, um, we've been talking about this book. So many of you, I, I know you've already come and told me you ordered it, but it's a Dr. David Stoop, and it's Rethink How You Think. Rethink How You Think. I would highly recommend uh, this book. Let me read the, uh, just an um, uh, uh, excerpt out of the book. So, so what we're talking about is... How does the subconscious, um, how, how, do you, how do you begin to, 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 to get into that subconscious, changing that subconscious and uh, creating these new, these new pathways um, to, to live on? Uh, he says, uh, through these pathways, uh, excuse me, though these pathways are clearly deeply formative, in a typical day, we don't pay much attention to the belief systems that are programmed into our subconscious mind. Okay, so that's where... Point number two comes from, he, he stole my point number two. Those points have changed. Th- those came from me. He's actually stealing it right here. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's a doctor, okay? Uh, he, he's stealing nothing from me, right? Uh, and and the, what we see is it, it says here that we don't pay attention. We don't pay attention to the way the subconscious mind is working. We don't pay attention because it's our subconscious. It's just running, and we don't even know it's running. Subconscious means below your conscious, right? So it's below your conscious. So your subconscious is running, and if you're not intentionally paying attention, then it's running without you even thinking about it. It's making decisions for you that you're not even thinking about making. That's, that, that, that's what your subconscious does. So it says, uh, we are also conditioned to believe that what happens to us is what causes our reactions or responses. For example, if your boss yells at you today and you're in a bad mood for the rest of the day, 
you may be certain that the reason you're in a bad mood is because he yelled at you. What if a driver cuts you off as you're driving home that same evening? You are going to be convinced that the reason you're angry is because of that terrible driver who almost caused a serious accident. With the driver, you may even be plotting revenge. Some of you could have said amen. And then later, you go back to thinking that all of your anger was because your boss yelled at you and he's the one that put you in a bad mood. We are too easily caught up in that old, quote, stimulus causes response, end quote, way of thinking. Okay, I want you to think. We are too easily caught up in that old, quote, stimulus causes response, end quote, way of thinking. And, and when we are in that frame of mind, we give over the control of our lives to our pre-programmed subconscious mind. We don't recognize the real source, so try as we might, we cannot see a way to change. Because we gave control to our boss. And we said, because my boss yelled at me this morning at 9.30, he put me in a bad mood. And I was in a bad mood, so whenever that driver cut me off, well, you know what he got. He got a piece of my mind and maybe a little more. But it's because my boss put me in a bad mood. And we, when we're in that frame of mind, it says we give over control of our lives to our pre-programmed subconscious mind. But come on, we are where we are in life, and we, we, we have gotten to this place through a series of decisions that weren't the best, each and every one of us. Okay, well, our, our pre-programmed subconscious is only operating off the past. I don't know about you, but I don't want my future to look exactly like my past. I sure hope the, the, the rest of my life is the best of my life. I sure hope I don't repeat a lot of the things that I did back there, but my subconscious only lives here. And so it is constantly reaching back into the old me going, hey, you remember how you responded to this situation uh, six months ago or six years ago? You remember the last time that happened? This is the way you reacted. Let's do that again because that felt really good. And then we give other people the power because we don't recognize the real source. And when we do that, guess what? Then we don't see a way to change. How can I change when I don't have any power? Come on now. If, it's not, if I'm not the one responsible, what am I going to do? Because my boss is going to yell at me again. Things aren't going to go my way again. It's, it's out of my control. This is the way I respond. Okay? In reality... There is something that occurs in between the stimulus and the response that causes our reactions and responses. It is our beliefs. In my book, You Are What You Think, I describe this as the ABCs of our emotions and behaviors. The A, and we've got a little slide for you just so you can see it. The A refers to action, to something that happens. Okay, so once again, he's talking about the action. Your boss yells at you. The driver cuts you off in the road, almost causing that accident. That is the action. It is something that happens to you. Okay, jump down to the C. The C refers to the emotional or behavioral consequence. That is our reaction or our response to that action. Okay, uh, your bad mood and your anger and even your attempt to get even with that other driver are all examples of our response to A. Okay, there's something that happens to you, it creates a reaction in you, and we say that it was the action that caused my reaction. It was the action that took me to the consequence. And we go from A all the way to C 
but we neglect what is in between the action and the consequence. Because if you live only from A to C, what you are doing is you're giving the people the power over the action. You're saying whatever the action is, there's going to be a consequence. So if you cut me off in traffic, if you yell at me, if you disappoint me, if you betray me, whatever you do, that action is going to call for a consequence and we're going to blame it on the other person. But you see, that's giving the power away. And if you give the power away, you can't ever change. And if you can't change, that, that gets really disappointing. So what's in between the action and the consequence? It's my belief. It's my belief. This is what we overlook because it's my belief that creates my responses. There are all kinds of optional responses and consequence to a given action based on our current beliefs. I remember riding with Daniel Madry one day, cha cha changed my life because I was, we were talking about driving and we were riding together and somebody cut in front of me and it made me so mad, made me so mad. And I remember I asked Daniel, I said, man, what, what do you do whenever something like that happens? Like, how do you deal with this? Like, I mean, I, I am wanting to, you know, I mean, put, put a mask on because I don't want him to look, look and be like, look at that, there's my pastor. Screaming at me, foaming at the mouth. Like, you know, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, Daniel, how do you do that? I'll never forget this. Daniel said, you know, I just always assume that they got like a really important thing that they got to get to. I always just assume that, man, they probably got a sick kid at home. And, man, they're trying so hard to get home so fast. They just got an emergency. They're late, for, they're late for a business appointment, and their boss told them if they're late one more time, they're going to get fired. And he's praying with all of his heart that he can make it there before the, the door closes. And, and, and I just remember going, I'm sorry, God. But it changed me. It changed me because what he gave me was a new belief. He gave me a new belief. I was action to consequence, action to consequence, action to consequence, action to consequence. And now all of a sudden, he gave me a belief that I did not have before. He gave me a belief that that person might have something important to do. Now, we know that that might not always be the case. But can't you see how it would help me if I believe something different? Because when he cuts me off, I feel, like, I feel like he's on my road. Who gave you the right to do? I mean, if you just think about it for a second, you're like, who gave me the right? I'm not, nobody calls me officer. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, have, I have no rights out there on the road. But when I'm on the road, I feel like I've got the right. To the road. Who get, no, no, no. I, I, I'm taking ownership of something that doesn't belong to me. He's got as much ownership as I do. So if he cuts over for whatever reason, if I have a different belief about the person in the car, I mean, I don't know about you, but when somebody cuts me off, like I see them as like, they're, they're probably Satan worshiper. They probably hate God, you know. They, they, they probably, you know what I'm saying? They're probably this bad person, you know. They probably don't feed their kids. They probably, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm making them out to be the enemy. How many, how many of you know that that's not true? That's not true. They, they just forgot to check their mirror, and they just pulled over in front of me. And they're feeling horrible about it. They're, 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 they're scared that they were almost in a wreck because they didn't see me. They saw me at the last minute, and I'm, here I am. I'm, I'm furious at them. Why? Because I believe that I'm more important than they are, that the road belongs to me and not to them. I believe that only my schedule is important, so I got to tap my brakes and slow down for you. No, no, no. It's, I, the road doesn't belong to me, I'm not the, but I've got a belief. See, I've got a belief problem. Do we, do we see that? Yes. Does everybody see that the, 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 the connection there is because how do I get to the consequence of anger? I get to the consequence of rage. I get to the consequence of complaining. I get to the consequence of making up a story, of making them out to be the devil in the car in front of me. I got to that consequence, and I base it on their action, and I say their action created this. No, actually, it was my belief about them that caused me to have that reaction because I developed Daniel Madry's belief system. And now all of a sudden, I don't have that problem anymore because I see them as valuable and important 
I see them differently than I, than I saw them before. And when I begin to see them differently, now I've got a different consequence. Now instead of yelling at them, I'll pray for them 90% of the time. It's a process, people. It's a process. Let me, go on. Let me, let me just read you this. This is, this is encouraging. I can transform my old beliefs and be transformed by the renewing of my mind with the beliefs based on what God says, not just on how I was programmed to think. Okay, that's good, for each, that's good news for each and every one of us. Because it doesn't matter how you were programmed in the first years of your life, God says, I will transform you. You can be reprogrammed when you begin to get a different belief, okay, when you begin to believe what I have said, when you begin to believe in how I have, uh, how I am leading you, how I am God, when you get a different belief. Now when that belief gets stuck in between my action and my consequences, I have to filter everything through God and through his word. And guess what? That will change the outcome of my life when I have to filter it through his word. God does, God, God does have a program for our transformation. And you can say amen to that. In between uh, the cue and the reward, that's what he's kind of been talking about here, is the routine or the habit that should and, and can involve my relationship with God and his word. I've found that knowing about how to create habits does help. But even more important than that is knowing God's pattern and seeking to build that into my life that's where the real change happens. That's where the real change happens. When we begin to pay attention to our beliefs, when we begin to pay attention to what is connecting me from the actions happening to me in my life and the consequences of the reactions coming out of my life. And if I don't like the consequences, if I don't like my reaction, if I don't like the way that I'm living, if I don't like the way that I'm talking, it doesn't matter what President Trump said last night. It does not matter what your coworker said this morning. It doesn't matter about the person driving down the road. It doesn't matter what your kid's teacher is saying. It doesn't matter. I have to understand that there is a belief Leave in the middle, and every consequence and reaction of my life is going to be filtered through my own beliefs, and that is the greatest news that I could ever give you because you can change your beliefs, and if you can change your beliefs, then you can change the outflow of your life. We have to pay attention. We have to pay attention. The price of transformation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, we, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We demolish every argument. You can't play around with thought processes that are anti-God. You... You, 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 can't, you can't let those hang around. Paul uses strong language. He says you have to demolish every, every, every argument, every, everything that tries to set yourself up against God. Pretension is saying like it, it, it has to do with pride, that, that we would have so much pretense about our own decision making that we would feel so good about our way and our process and our thing. And he said, you better take every one of those and you better crush them. You better demolish them. You better destroy them. How does that happen? That happens when you begin to take every thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ. That means that we have to bring our thoughts, we have to bring our, our belief systems into obedience to what Christ wants and what he says. God's path to our transformation. Let's, let's get there. Uh, in Psalm 119, verse 9, the psalmist writes and says, How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word. 
Okay? He says, how do you stay pure? You obey the word. Only way you can obey the word is if you're reading the word. Okay? So we see that in the beginning that the word must be read in verse 9. It has to be taken in. There's got to be some information intake. I've got to read the word so I can obey the word. But then he takes it a step further in verse 11, and he says, no, I didn't just read it to obey it. I actually hid it in my heart. I hid it there. Well, you understand, you got, you got to do some work to hide something, right? Trying to hide your Christmas presents from your kids. You know, like you got to do some work. You got to get creative. You, you got to work to hide. It takes work to hide the word in your heart. It's not just reading it. No, I got to hide it in my heart. Think about what, what, what Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, what Mary said. When the shepherds came and the, the shepherds announced what, what they had heard the angels say and, the, and, and the, the angel choir that came to sing. And, and, it, and, and the Bible says this, it says that Mary kept these things in her heart and she thought about them often. She, she hid it in her heart and she thought about it often. When Jesus was 12 and he was teaching in the temple and his caravan, you know, they, they started leaving him and they realized, man, we left Jesus and and uh, man, that's a bad feeling. Like you leave God's son, you know. Like that's a, you got to turn that. You got to turn that caravan around. We got to go back and get him. Uh, and uh, and they they go back. You know, if it was like the third kid, they'd have left him. Got him next year. But you know, Jesus, like he was the first one. We got to go back and get Jesus. He's the son of God. You know, we got to go back and they get him. And 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 the teachers start talking about how profound it was. And it says this that that Mary stored these things in her heart. The angels, she, 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 she kept it in her heart. She thought about it often. Here, she began to store. What was she doing? She was, she, was, she was putting it in her heart. She was hiding these things in her heart. You see, there is power in hiding things in your heart. When, if, you're, if you're going to move into transformation, you have to move in two ways. You have to move in memorization, and you have to move in meditation. If you're wanting to transform your thinking, which is really transforming your life, you have to move in two ways. Memorization, that means you have to read the Word of God and you have to memorize the Word of God. You need to memorize some scriptures. You need to memorize it. But if all you do is memorize and you don't meditate, you don't store it in your heart and think about it often, you're going to shortchange yourself in transformation because you're going to be able to quote 10 scriptures, but those 10 scriptures aren't going to be alive in you yet. So I need to be able to quote them. I can't just say, well, I'm just a meditation guy, and I, well, I can't really tell you what the Bible says, but I do a lot of meditation. No, no, no. I got to be able to know it. I got to be able to speak it, but I have to hide it in my heart so that I can meditate it, meditate on it all day long. We hide his word, and we ponder it all day long. And this is what... Um, uh, uh, brain scientists, they call focused attention. Say focused attention. So what they call focused attention is actually also meditation. And this is what brain scientists say. They say that focused attention is how you change the pathways of your brain. These are not Christian. These are even non-Christian brain science, scientists. They say the way that you change a thought process is through focused attention, through meditation. Isn't it interesting as you read through the Word of God how many times the Word, hide your Word in my heart, meditating on your Word all day long, singing your Word all in the afternoon, thinking about your Word in the morning, teaching your Word to your children in the evening. Isn't it amazing how much this is in the Word of God? Because long before brain scientists ever came up with focused attention, God already knew what it would take for you to change your mind. And so he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take my word and I want you to hide it in your heart and I want you to ponder on it and I want you to think about it all day long. And as you do those things, it'll begin to rewire your thinking. And as you change your thinking, you'll change your being. As you change your being, you'll change your doing. God, all the way back. You already had it all figured out. We rewire, we reprogram. 
on the subconscious level because what are we doing? Listen, what are we doing on the subconscious level? We're creating a new belief system. You know that you can be prejudiced for 40 years and then not be prejudiced anymore? How's that happen? I have a new belief. Because at the beginning of my life, I was taught that white people were this way. I taught that black people were this way. I was taught that, 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 that Muslims were this way. I was taught that Hindus were this way. I was taught that Asians were like this. I was taught this in my life. And because I was taught this, I've now the stage that I've lived on, right, because of my thought process, I've been living out what I was taught. It created my beliefs. And so my beliefs, everything was filtering through my beliefs. And so I had a belief about those people. I had a belief about people that worship like that or dress like that or talk like that. I had a belief. And now all I have to do is begin to change my beliefs. How do I change my beliefs? I change my thinking. If I don't change my thinking, I can't change my beliefs and I can't change my beliefs and I'll never change my life. And so I'll continue to be a racist. I'll continue to think about these things. I'll continue to be prejudiced. I'll continue to be an elitist. Why? Because it comes down to me being willing to change the way that I think. And when I begin to change the way that I think about a person, okay, it works the same way about a problem. Because I've always thought that problems, that was my cue, what, for anxiety. I got a problem, oh, that's my cue. That's the action, boom, happens, problem, that's the action, my consequence, by my nails. My action was anxiety, that, that was my consequence, that was my reaction, to the action, but I didn't, I didn't realize that it was filtered through a belief. My belief was God's not big enough to handle that problem. My belief was I can't carry that burden. My belief was that storm's too big for me. That, that's my belief, but when I have a different belief, when I believe that there's a God that's never going to leave me or forsake me, and I believe that he is a good shepherd, and I believe that he's going to protect me, and he's going to guide me, and he's going to lead me, and he's going to be my shelter, and he's going to be my strong tower, and he's going to be my provider. When I believe those things, now all of a sudden, I have a problem. I say, that's okay, because it's filtered through a different belief, and now my reaction isn't worrying. Now my reaction is, oh, it's going to be okay. That's why James says, consider pure joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. How? Because he had a different belief. It's all about our, our beliefs. Our focused attention. So, so we, we get that belief down on the subconscious level. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so we got to get that belief down on the subconscious level so I, I don't have to think about, okay, what do I believe right now? What do I think right now? All right, it takes work in the beginning, but it becomes who I am because I'm creating a pathway of thought. Remember last week we talked about taking that machete, right? Chopping your way, building that trail. But after you've done that and people start walking that trail, it smooths out. That's what happens in life. It, it's hard in the beginning, but once you smooth it out, now it becomes the way that I think. It becomes the way that I live. Um, man, how does time go by so fast? You're like, fast for you. <laughs> like forever to me. When I was 13, um, maybe 12, um, we... Uh, we had, I had a friend that played baseball with me, and his, his name was Craig Dowden. He's a doctor now. And my dad was the coach of our team. And, um, man, we, our, our teams, we always we won the league championship. We won all-star. We were state champs uh, every year. We went and played in the World Series multiple times. Um, and just uh, we were uh, just a little competitive. And, uh, but but Craig, Craig Dowden, uh, he said, uh, Coach, one day I'll never forget, he said, Coach, we – I've been doing this research for my science project. And now this would have been like, like 1990, you know. Like he said, I've been doing this research for my, my science project. And what they have discovered is that athletes that think about what they're doing, that think about their performance, and just mental visualization, they get 13% better over a period of time. So he said, Coach, here's my suggestion at practice. Let's just lay down on the ground, <laughs> close our eyes, and let's just think about fielding all those ground balls. Let's think about running those sprints all the way through the line. Let's just think about it, and we are guaranteed, scientifically proven, to get 13% better. 
My dad wasn't interested in that study. But, you know, I was really interested in that. And I remember being 12, 13 years old, and I remember going to bed at night. And whenever I would lay in bed at night before our games, I would see the entire game happen in my mind. I would see everything happen. The pitches, the plate appearances, the position I was going to play. I would live the game in my mind. I would live it out there. I would see myself having success. I would, I would see myself hitting the fastball over the outside half of the plate into right center field for a double. I, I would see it. I would see turning the double play. I would visualize it all happening in my mind. We're talking football. Visualize it in my mind the night before because what I was convinced of is if he's saying that you get 13% better, I was saying I need every advantage that I could get. I, I was blessed to go on and have a, a great career and play college football, uh, but let me just tell you this. I far, I far exceeded my physical abilities. When I was 12 years old, they called me Thunder Turtle. That's how slow I was. It didn't matter how many people on the team, I was coming in last. 10, 100, didn't matter. I was going to come in last. I, 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 couldn't jump, I couldn't jump over that speaker. That ain't, mom, mom will verify for me. I'm not lying. I needed every advantage I could. And I would lay in bed and I would begin to visualize myself having success. Visualize myself having success. Begin to visualize myself having success. And then I started seeing it's, it's working. It's happening. Like I'm, 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 I'm seeing it. I'm, I'm getting in the groove. I'm getting better. And I remember being young. I'm telling, I was a teenager. I, and, and I began to think, I wonder, if that ha- I wonder if the same thing works with life. And I remember going to bed at night and thinking about just things that I'm, I'm just, I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to I'm going, to, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be grateful. I'm going to, be, I'm, I'm going to talk to the people that I don't normally talk to in the lunchroom. I'm visualizing these conversations. I'm, having, I'm doing these things. I'm taking that test, and, I, and I'm, I'm acing that test, and, and, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray. And I'm visualizing these things in my mind, and what I discovered is that it works in life too. I didn't know what I was doing when I was 13 years old. I just thought that laying in the grass at practice and, and, and visualizing, that would be a lot better than having to field all those ground balls. And I thought, that's good. And, but I took that into my practice. And now you know the most amazing thing? By the time, by the time I got into college, do you know what, what, what the, 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 the mental athletic gurus are saying? You know what they were telling people? Visualize it before you, when you go to bed. Visualize. Nobody, nobody told me that. I just heard this study, and I began to do that when I was 13 years old. Years later, I'm now finding out, okay, wow, this is, like, this is really good. I was really on to something there, and I didn't even realize what I was actually doing was actually the Word of God. I was rewiring the thought processes in my brain. I was teaching my brain to think a different way. I know we're getting really close to, to 8 o'clock. Um, and, um, and we're, getting, we're getting to the end of this. Um, let me give you this scripture. Jeremiah 15, 16. When I discovered your words, he says, I devoured them. When I discovered your words, I, I devoured them. When I discovered your words, I, I devoured them. I took them in. And this is what your body does whenever you eat. You begin to digest your food, and then what begins to happen is your body takes everything that it needs out of those food to make it strong, help muscles develop, keep you healthy, okay? And here Jeremiah is saying, I've devoured your word. I've put it into my heart. Now let that word break off and give me the strength I need 
Now that word, let that word break off and give me the peace that I need. Now let that word break off and give me the joy that I need. Now let that word break off and give me that wisdom I need. Now let that word break off in every single, as I digest that word in my heart that I have hidden there, it's, it's digesting in my heart. Let me take everything that I need out of that word so that I can become who I was created to be. You see, this is the power of memorizing and meditating on Scripture, that I begin to digest the Word of God as I begin to take it in, memorize it so that I can regurgitate it and begin to meditate on it, taking it into my heart so that I can digest it, so that it can begin to build me up and give me everything that I need so that I can be who God has called me to be and do what God has called me to do. So I got to pay attention to the word because it's through the word that the transformation comes in our life. It's through the word. There, 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 is no, there is no other way. It's the word of God that transforms us. It's the word of God. Here's the powerful thing. Whenever you read the word of God, you're not just, you're not just reading to learn about God. You're reading to encounter God. A big difference. I can read a history book to learn. I'm not going to really encounter anything. But when I open the Word of God, I, I'm not just reading about God or learning about God. I'm encountering the God of the book. And when I encounter Him, transformation begins to happen. Because I take that word and I hide it in my heart and I begin to carry it with me all day long and it begins to digest in my heart and I begin to think about it all day long and I begin to ponder, God, what are you speaking to me through this? God, what do you want to do? In one place, John, I believe it's in Revelation, John says, I, I ate the scroll and it was sweet in my mouth like honey, but it, but it turned bitter in my stomach. That's how you know you're really meditating on Scripture. Because when you read it, you say amen. But when it gets down in you, you say oh no. You read it and you say, whoo, that's good. And then it gets down on the inside of you. And you say, oh, that, not, not, that ain't so good down there. Because it starts saying, man, that's, that's, not, that's not our belief system right now. Don't worry, about it. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. We can say amen to that. Amen. Yeah, it's good. That's good. I like that. Okay, but then you let that word, you devour that word, and you meditate that word, and you start thinking about how much you worry every day. And it gets bitter. Man, I'm, I'm, whew, I'm a long way off. I'm a long way off. Why? Because my belief system is not everything it needs to be yet. Still trying to do too much stuff on my own. Not trusting God the way that I need to trust God yet. But whenever you open the book and you encounter the God of the book, you say, wow, you are, you are awesome. And you are powerful. And you are full of grace and love. You, you're, you, wow, you're an amazing God. And we encounter him in the book. And as we eat the book, our life begins to be changed and transformed. I'll leave you this last thought, something that really helped me in my life as, as I've just kind of shared my thought process laying in bed at night. And it's interesting because we talked, I think, the very first week about most tendency people, they get in bed and they think about the negative, right? Uh, they think about the one bad thing that happened in the course of the day or they think about the bad thing that could potentially happen tomorrow. That is the norm. That is the norm. I rewired my brain, not even really understanding what I was doing just to think about the good. I didn't think about striking out. I didn't think about losing the game. I, I was thinking about winning. I, I was thinking about good things happening. I wasn't thinking about the bad. I was thinking about the good. And so just through that, God began to do this thing in me uh, and out spiritually in life. It started in athletics, but then it, it turned into life and spiritually speaking. And so I started getting into these things. Here's one thing that I did. Once again, not, not even really understanding what I was doing, but 
I, I, I realized that the word was the key to my transformation as a teenager. And this is what I would do. Whatever, whatever, I, was, whatever I was struggling with, be anger, be lust, be whatever it was, whenever I violated my standard, whatever, whatever standard that I had set for myself, when I violated that standard, this is what I did. I made myself read 10 chapters of the Bible. I just, I just did it. Whatever it was, if I did something that I said this is below my standard, 10 chapters before I went to bed, I didn't care what time it was, 10 chapters of the Bible. I made myself, why? Because I knew that there was transformation in the book. I knew it. I didn't know it. I, now I really know it because I've been preaching it for, for so long, but, but I didn't know it, but, but I knew it then. I knew this was, this was the key to my transformation. So where most people would screw up and say, I don't want to have anything to do with God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of hide right now. I'm feeling ashamed. I'm, I, I'm feeling a little embarrassed because I did that thing, even that thing I said I would never do again. You know, and I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to engage God right now. The thing that I would do is after I screwed up, I would immediately engage God. It did two things for me. One, it made me want to screw up less. Not really interested in engaging God after you have participated in sin. Okay? Now I don't really want to do that. And then it makes you think twice about your sin. Because you're like, do I really want to do that? I remember going, I don't really want to read for 30 minutes. So I'm not going to sin. It worked. <laughs> but I knew, that, I knew this was the key to my transformation. And it's the key to your transformation as well. And it's right here for you. This will begin to reprogram your mind. This will begin to allow you to think different thoughts. And as you begin to think differently about, about God, think differently about yourself, think differently about your world, think differently about your situations, Think differently about your spouse. Think differently about your children. Think differently about your parents. Think differently about your coworkers. As you begin to think differently, you begin to think different thoughts. You begin to create different beliefs. And when you begin to have different beliefs, you begin to have different responses. And as you begin to have different responses, you get to begin to live a different life. And it all started when you allowed God to change the way you think by devouring his word. Amen? Come on, let's stand up. Father, thank you so much for the grace of everyone here for letting me go over tonight. God, I pray that you would take the truth of this message and I pray that you would drive it into our hearts. And I pray that we would be more dedicated than ever to your word. To allow your word to to mold us, to make us, reprogram us, rewire us, change the way we think. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would begin to think your thoughts so that we can become who you've called us to be so that eventually we can do everything that you have called us to do. God, we love you. We praise you. And we give you glory and honor in this house. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, somebody put a big amen on it tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Here at North Point Community Church, we believe in creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community through the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at ncc.team or follow us on any social media platform at CC North Point.